This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Kevin Daggett and Lee Vowell. And welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast. I'm Lee, and with me is the star of the show, Kevin. Kevin, how are you? Not too shabby on yourself. I'm doing all right. Can't complain. It's, uh seems like it's funny to having Thursday night games because they go, it's 10 days, but it feels like you have like three weeks off for some reason. Because like all the other games are played and you get to see it's like, oh, it's like four days since the Seahawks played and then you have a whole nother week. So I don't know. It feels weird. And Sunday doesn't seem that important on those weeks either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It does not. I uh, watched a little bit of some stuff, but, you know. It's uh, it's still baseball season, and the Kraken started last night. Did you catch any of that? I watched a little bit of it, yeah, and then I watched some more of it today on the replay. But I mean, yeah. they played all right. I mean, Vegas yeah. is always a contender, and you know, not bad for the first game. So, did you did you feel like they were kind of throwing it in the Kraken's face with the with the Golden Knights though? Because it's like, hey, we had this this draft set up for them to be immediately successful, unlike the Kraken. But here you go. This is what you could have been a few years ago. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. And they're like the Vegas team. They were good right out of the gate. They're still good. So that's, I'm kind of hoping the crack will be the same, but eh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, um, that well, I was kind of hoping, you know, it was, I changed the yard flag because I feel like the yard flag I had was for a long time. It was uh, Mariners. I try to do it by seasons. So the Mariners. And then they started. They started winning, so I'm going to keep the yard flag up. And then I replaced it with the Seahawks flag. And then, you know, because of the season. And then the Mariners started losing just right at the end when I put up the Seahawks flag. Enough for them to miss the playoffs. And, you know, they needed to sweep that last weekend, and they didn't. So I was like, oh, it's me. I'm bad luck. I have the, I'm the control of the universe, as it turns out. And so then I put up the Kraken flag, and then it's like the Seahawks lose. It's like, good grief. But anyway... I don't think it's my fault. Russell Wilson got hurt. What did you, you think about that injury when he when he got that was looked pretty nasty. It looked pretty nasty. And he's like, uh, yeah, can you send somebody out here to fix my finger? I mean, it, I'm like, <laughs> that's a pretty tough guy because you can see it's like, oh my god, that thing's cranked over. But I mean, he's you know he's a tough dude. He doesn't want to come out of a game, but that looked no. quite a bit more serious than anybody thought. Yeah, I mean, it looked. I'm surprised he stayed in. It was weird because he stayed in for that one series, sort of, because they didn't have him throw the ball downfield. He threw what like a, a pass out wide, which, you know, I'm 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 not a great athlete, but I could throw the pass out wide. So it was clear they weren't trying to take any chances with, with him throwing it downfield with the, the middle finger guiding the football and controlling the accuracy of the football. Um, it was just it was kind of a weird thing to watch because, you know, we're so used to the only time Wilson comes out like you can remember when he comes out. Right. Like the Jets game when it was a blowout last year and Geno Smith came in, he went out because it was such a blowout. But he, otherwise, he plays every down of every game. This will be the first game he ever misses is if he doesn't play and he won't as a Seahawks quarterback. I still wouldn't be shocked. And this is maybe just me watching Wilson for the last 10 years. I wouldn't be shocked if he somehow he comes back and plays against the Saints, just because that's how it is. But right. Even if he, he, they show somebody texted me something, it's like they showed all the 
all the different quarterbacks for the Cardinals, all the different quarterbacks for the for the um, 49ers over the past 10 years, and the Seahawks is Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> all the different coaches for the Raiders, just joking. Um, but uh, yeah, when when Geno Smith came came into the game, man, he looked he looked like he had run that offense for the last six years. He was in total control. When he immediately came in, he was in control. He was standing there looking at the defense like, okay, I need to change this play. We need to do this. And he got the running backs involved. He got the tight ends involved. No offense to Russell, who's obviously a much better quarterback. That's not even an argument on the show. But Gino looked like he was running the offense the way the offense was designed to run. And it looked really good. Yeah, he looked like a nine-year veteran who paid attention in practice and can hit a short pass, hit a screen pass, and yeah, I mean he looked he looked great. And that and the the interception, I mean that really that wasn't even his fault. I mean, you know, Lockett fell down, and it's just and you can see Gino was upset about the whole thing. But yeah, I think he did great. And I've heard I heard some some majority of the talk I heard on on uh, talk shows was impressed with Geno Smith. I, you know, there's a couple people that, you know, weren't, but whatever. I mean, I, I think he, he looked great. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you weren't impressed by Geno Smith in the fourth quarter against that defense and they weren't, people were like, Oh, they changed the defense to some degree, but it also became 16 to 14 in the game and and the game was not over. So the Rams weren't just in prevent defense and then the Rams scored again. And then Gino leads them on another field goal drive. And then, like you said, who knows what would have happened on that, on that one drive because he threw it to the area where Lockett normally would be. And it wasn't Lockett's fault. He tripped, he tripped either his feet got, I mean, it wasn't pass interference either. Even if he got tripped by the defensive back, it wasn't an intentional thing. It was just people getting their legs tangled up. And Smith threw it exactly where he was supposed to throw it. And, I mean, he he threw the ball, and this sounds weird, but maybe the most impressive thing he did on his drives, he threw the ball away early enough in the down where there was no one open so that it saved it for another day. He didn't do the Russell Wilson thing, which is I'm going to make this play because I've done it a million times before and I end up getting sacked. So he didn't, Gino didn't kill drives. He kept him alive and he ran the ball well. Now, how he plays against the Steelers will be a whole different ball game. The Steelers have a good defense too, but I mean, based on that fourth quarter and based on the Shane Waldron offense of what it's supposed to do, my hope is that Gino plays well enough to put Seattle in a position to win. The issue, of course, as we all know, is the defense sucks. So even, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, who shouldn't be playing at this point in his career, just because he's, it's clearly old. I mean, there's, and Juju Smith Schuster's out for the year, but they're still going to, they're still going to pick up 500 yards, right? Total offense. Of course they will. Yeah. I mean, it, it will be interesting though, because Gino came in, I'm sure with a lot of adrenaline, and a lot of, you know, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to show myself now he's taking all the snaps in practice. He's the guy. And I wonder, you think, do you think they'll change the offense for Gino or, I mean, is the offense going to be the same for Gem? I, I guess, I guess, 
I'll be honest with you. Wilson, he has a difficult time hitting a short pass. He has a difficult time hitting a screen pass. Difficult time for some reason hitting the guys over the middle. I don't know what it is. It's a moon ball or nothing pretty much. And Gino seemed a lot sharper on those short passes. So we'll see. But, yeah, that defense is horrible. And I don't, you know, my uh, my favorite guy got cut. It was it yesterday or day? I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I'm going to bitch yes, about sir. now. <laughs> 21's gone. So um, I still think maybe they might throw that number 41 jersey on Coach Shed and stick him out there. But <laughs> to Belor, need haven't given him a shot yet. <laughs> That's true. That's not a bad point. Yeah, the weird thing is, it's like, you know, Seahawks, we're not going to try to trade a fifth round pick to try to get Stephon Gilmore. We'll allow him to go to the Panthers for a sixth round pick. And we won't really try to get Richard Sherman. But you know what? We're going to cut one of the cornerbacks we actually have. It's like, because that'll fix something. And who doesn't even play? Sidney Jones is like the last two games. So two games ago, I thought, oh, you know what? As I mentioned, we mentioned on the show, I thought he's going to be, he's going to be all right when he gets more playing time. Well, he looked just as bad. It's clearly the coaching is the issue, but he looked just as bad against the Rams. And let's be honest, the main issue with how their other teams are completing passes against the Seahawks isn't all about the cornerbacks. It's the linebackers can't cover crap. Yeah. And I think part of that problem is, is I think there was, three or four plays if that where they played bump and run finally they don't they're giving every these guys a 10 15 yard cushion so then they cut across the middle and the linebackers don't know what it's like it's nuts i mean it i don't i mean ken norton's gotta go i read todd's article on him earlier this week and it i mean he had some good points in that i got you know all the statistics about the ranking of the defense from 2013 until now it's like oh my how How is that not just completely obvious to the people running the show down there in Renton? I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, this guy is, you know, the Raiders have a head coaching job open and, and Ken Norton would be a perfect spot. Perfect fit for that. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Pete's just, he's too loyal. I mean, I, I like Pete. I like Pete as a, as a person. I mean, he's, you know, for anybody, and I've seen, a bunch of people tweet out, oh, Pete's clueless, which is ridiculous. Uh, actually, somebody said he's clueless. I'm like, well, you've made the playoffs. Your favorite team, out my favorite and Kevin's favorite team has made the playoffs nine out of the last 11 years with the same head coach, not always the same quarterback. So shut your mouth as far as the head coach being clueless. He's not clueless. And you could you could have Urban Meyer. You could have John Gruden. You could have nearly any other coach, head coach in the NFL. So give Give Pete a break. Does he adjust? Is he getting older and not adjusting as well as he seemed to? Yeah. But the the one fault with Pete to me is he's just too loyal. Ken was his guy. It was college and played in college. He was his guy as a as an assistant defensive coach. The the thing that shocks me the most is as loyal as Pete is, that he got rid of Chris Richard when he did. Right? Richard's, Richard's got a shaft in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. He's good, and and, and he's he seemed to give Richard a little more leash than he gives Norton. 
but I, and I, you know, as far as Pete being clueless, I agree. He's not clueless. He's damn stubborn is <laughs> yes. his biggest problem. And, you know, it's like, you're not going to tell me what to do kind of thing. And that's like, I don't, I don't get it, but you're right. He is loyal and, and, you know, I don't know. I guess last year the defense turned it around, but I just don't see that happening. That there's, there's too many, there's too many holes. I mean, you know, Jamal Adams is at this point stealing $17 million a year. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what happens with these guys when they get, they sign for the money, they get their money. And they don't show up. And if you look at him, it's it's not. It looks like it doesn't look like he's not trying. Talk about clueless. <laughs> this guy looks kind of clueless back there on some of these coverages. I mean, I swear it's like, dude, you, you are so turned around on some of these things. What what do you do? You even know what's going on? It's. I mean, that's the clueless guy. Yeah, and that that's. I agree. That's the thing. The weird thing is like he's not. I mean, I don't want to compare Adams to Chancellor. He's more of a Chancellor player than an Earl Thomas player. The difference between in coverage is to me is you either like Earl played the ball and played it well, or like Cam played the receiver and hit the receiver if he caught it and caused the ball to be dislodged. Jamal plays neither of those guys and lets the ball be completed on deep throws it makes no sense whatsoever it's like he's a linebacker who's playing a safety maybe he should be a linebacker yeah and if you watch a guy like harrison smith okay first harrison smith first of all you don't hear a peep out of that guy do you you don't hear a peep about contracts you don't hear a peep about nothing about that guy he just signed a new four million four-year deal for 64 million dollars he shows up to work he goes to work and he does a great job and you will never hear that guy complain. He's probably going to finish as a Minnesota Viking for the rest of his career. But then you get these other guys like Adams who bitch and complain about money and I want to be the best and blah, blah, blah. And they're just turned around. I'm, I don't get it. But You know what the difference is? Is that Jamal doesn't buy into manscaping yet. Harrison, back to his Catholic high school days, probably <laughs> did. <laughs> he was probably one of the one of the uh got in on the ground floor on that deal. That's right. That's right. Speaking That's of right. Manscaped, autumn is in the air, the pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make you make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their beard their brand new fourth generation performance package. Get ready for a cuffing season like no other. Ready to take a leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. It's time to bundle up the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker Era Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the new performance package 4.0 includes a lawnmower 4.0. If you're looking for a cozy up this fall, this trimmer is essential. The fourth generator trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. 
It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shave, plus it's waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top, your nose and ear. The nose and ear trimmer uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped liquid formulations. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Everyone knows pumpkin spice lattes and ball deodorant go hand in hand. Then after trimming the pumpkin patch and whacking the leaves, give your balls a boost and use Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts in their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get comfy on the home and on the, and on the go this season. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Was that the Deshaun Shed item that they were talking about? The Shed? Yeah. Deshaun Shed has his own line. Should be. So, according to Michael Sean, um, doer of the Atlanta, uh, Athletic, uh, Chris Carson isn't going to practice today, but will practice tomorrow, which is at least a good sign because they need him in the game. Um, even though I think Alex Collins is doing fine, I actually think DJ Dallas does pretty well in the past game and did okay a little bit running the ball. Carson's the guy who's going to create yards out of nothing. If they choose to um, kind of play this offense very basic against a very good Steelers team in hopes that maybe it chews up more clock, even if they don't score points, but get first downs. This, this is a must game for Chris Carson to be involved in, right? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, we have not, (laughs) we have not dominated the time of possession this year at all. Chewing up the clock has been a, a a tall order for the Seahawks this year. And, I mean, it's it's. I hope um, I hope we do well. I hope Gino does well. I I kind of think he will. Um, but yeah, Carson's a must. I mean, if you do this Wilson and Carson, and like you said, Alex Smith or not, yeah, Alex Collins does well. Um, DJ does well. I I saw a picture. Somebody texted me a picture of uh, Carson and Penny on the practice field. I'm like, dude, Penny looks like a heavy boy, and. I mean, I don't know if that guy's put on some weight or what, but he is does not look like the guy we want in there at running back. But yeah, Carson lost. Is it is it sad that I keep forgetting Rashad Penny's actually on the team? No, it's not because um, we should probably forget about him. Period. Because I don't know that he's. Um, I mean, I guess he's been in Seattle more than Malik McDowell was. Did that guy ever step foot in Seattle? No. Let alone on the team in the city, and then he's playing, <laughs> having a pretty good season. I'm like, what the hell was that? Yeah, I. That's weird. I mean, the Seahawks have made some weird. I mean, here's here's another weird one. L.J. Collier was a first round draft pick, right? A couple of years ago, gets a get or a few years ago now, is a healthy scratch for what three out of the first four games of the year. 
plays in week five and actually gets a quarterback hit and look quick doing it. It's like, I'm, I'm getting kind of lost on why we're playing some of the, we being a Seahawks fan, why we're playing some of the people we are not playing some of the others. It makes no sense. And that's, that's the most frustrating thing or one of the most frustrating things about the season. So this lost season that we're going down is I just don't understand what the team's trying to do. Yeah. These healthy scratches. I don't, I mean, like you said, I mean, Collier was a high pick. He's a pretty good player. What are you doing? Not sticking him in there. I mean, it weren't, you know, I don't know if Dun- is Dunlop getting double teamed. That's why we're not hearing his name a lot. I mean, yes, he seems to be getting close on some plays, and but um, you know Taylor's playing well. And, yeah, I don't know what the deal is. It's it's um, that defense is just horrible though. It it's really bad. And it, and it, I was think think about it. I mean, you would you would think on paper, Adams, Diggs, Reed, and Jones. That sounds like a pretty good defensive backfield on paper but it's not and you know with all those off those all those defensive linemen we got that's pretty stacked too but it's just they're just not getting it done yeah i mean if somebody were to to who didn't know anything about the seahawks who came from another country who watched the seahawks games this year and didn't know the players names before the season and said, oh, which one of these safeties is getting paid $17 million a year? It wouldn't <laughs> be Jamal Adams. <laughs> it would be Diggs or uh, what's the other guy? Marquise Blair. I was going to say, yeah, Marquise Blair. <laughs> I mean, Blair looks good when he's in there. Diggs looks – he's Diggs is holding up his part. I mean, he's in there. He's getting – he's active. Does he get beat sometimes? Yeah, he's not the perfect player, but he's – He's created a couple of turnovers. He's active in the run game. I, I, he looks like he is a good player. Adams does not look good. I mean, and maybe some of that's his use. He's being blitzed a lot less this year. Maybe the other the opposing teams have figured out, oh, this is what he's going to do when he tries to blitz, and they can pick it up easier. In coverage, he's god awful. Um, and but you brought up a player we should definitely talk about because as well, let me throw out this stat of 18 passes defended through five games, which is horrible for this team. Three of them are from cornerbacks, which is horrible. Um, in fact, defensive linemen have as many passes defended Carlos Dunlap and Rasheen Green as as any more, actually more than the cornerbacks, individual cornerbacks on this team. But we, there's one player on this defense who has consistently been good the whole season, who didn't play at all last year, and is really in his rookie year, this team is so much worse if Daryl Taylor isn't the player he is at this point. I agree 100%. I mean, that kid's a stud. I saw somebody posted something on Twitter today. Um, I forget what it said. I like Daryl Taylor. I like Daryl Taylor, but and, he, and it showed like the, the the picks before him or whatever. And um, um, who's that cornerback named Diggs? And said, "Well, how'd you like to have Diggs right now?" And I'm like, "Well, okay. I mean, but if we're gonna do that, if we're gonna look at who was picked before who, let's not use that example because Daryl Taylor doesn't suck. Daryl Taylor's a pretty good player. So if you're gonna 
saying, well, we shouldn't have got Taylor. We should have got this guy. There's a lot of other players that were picked before. I mean, I can't think of examples, but there's I, my buddy Miller could list them off right now. He could say, you a Buda Baker. I mean, who would we, we pick somebody before Buda Baker that sucks? And um, there's a bunch of other ones, but Daryl Taylor is not the guy. Yeah, he missed last Rashad year. Rashad Penny, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> um, you know, Taylor's on pace for a 13-sack season. 13. So, I mean, being a second-round pick, that's pretty good. After missing, really, again, he's a rookie. Because he didn't play at all last year, so and didn't practice and do anything. He basically is a rookie this season, and he's out there playing his butt off. And uh, Rasheem Green, if I thought in the preseason this guy's gonna have a good season, he started off in game one pretty well, which the Colts suck. So I guess that you have to throw that one out. But it's like he hasn't done anything. Dunlap hasn't done anything, and I mean he's got some passes defended, and like you said, maybe he's getting double teamed a little bit more. But he's not. He, he had a bunch of sacks when he came over from Cincinnati last year. hasn't done anything this year. Um, I mean, Puna Ford's good. I'll say that. Um, other than those guys, Brian Wagner, or Brian Bobby Wagner, the Hall of Famer. Bobby Wagner is had. You know, he wasn't good against the Rams. He, that was probably the worst game I've seen him play in years. Jordan Brooks was a little bit better, but he was terrible the week before. There's nobody on this team defense especially except for maybe Quandre Diggs Marquise Blair when he plays and Daryl Taylor and Puna Ford those four guys are your best defensive players because they're the most consistent everybody else is not earning their paycheck and maybe probably a lot of it's due to Ken Norton Jr but the I mean that you you're still if if you and I are on the field we're getting a paycheck to do a job I don't care if we have a supervisor who sucks we still got to do our job. And I wonder what the salary combined to those guys is. Cause I know I looked at something this week and there's like five guys or six guys that take up 53% of that cap. And those are none of those guys. You did not mention any of those guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Amadi's Amadi's okay. Blair needs to Blair needs to be the safety. I mean, at this point, the, the, the Jets traded Adams, who I thought was very good last year. Yes. But has no quarterback hits and no sacks this year. And maybe it's a the use of him. If Gus Bradley, Chris Richard, heck, Dan Quinn were in charge of this defense, would the defense be better? Yes, of course. Of course it would. And the players would be looking better than they are. Ken Norton needs to be fired, period. But still, as a player... All those players are veterans who, who you know, as far as Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner. So even if the scheme is off, they should have enough experience. You and I have done our our individual jobs well enough where, you know, we've seen it, most of it. So if I see something happening on my job where it's like, you know what, if I was new, I probably wouldn't know what to do. But, but at this point, I kind of kind of can see ahead a few steps, same way as you. And those guys should see the same thing. I can, even though the scheme isn't right, the process isn't correct, I can see a few plays ahead or a few things that might happen with this, and I can put myself in better better posi- position, can't speak English, better position to succeed. And, and that's just, that's not happening. 
And so, yeah, a lot of it's scheme, but it also the players are not without blame in this. No, and you've we've you've seen these players enough, and they've seen these teams enough, and watched enough tape to know what's going on. You know, I just thought of something too. I mean, Adams played well last year. He missed four games, and he, I mean, he played incredible. And I think just thinking about this, I don't know. Like he he rushed a lot more last year than he did this year, and it and it seemed to me sometimes last year that it, it, is he calling his own shots? Is he just back there and and they just said okay do what do what you see and do what you want to do because he was rushing on plays and this year it seems like is he's a lot I mean he comes up there a lot and then backs off and doesn't do anything but last year he just seemed to be more more free and um he'd see something and take advantage of it this year he just he doesn't seem to be doing that and I don't know if that's if that's true or not but yeah, you're right. I mean, these guys are veterans. They should be able to see things and make adjustments and go to the coach and say, this is what I see. And I mean, Norton doesn't seem like a guy that's not going to listen to you unless, yeah. unless Pete's running the show and, and Norton can't do anything because Pete's telling them what to do, which may be the case. But I mean, Norton doesn't seem like a guy that, that would do that. Just say, no, shut up. You're going to do it my way. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I, there's not a degree of mathematics where I could not agree with you more on the Jamal Adams thing. I, th- I have thought the same exact thing as far as when they entered the season, did they think our cornerbacks aren't going to be great, but we have enough pass rushers that we can play more Adams more in a traditional strong safety role. And so therefore he feels less freedom. Whereas last, last year he felt like, he could go whenever he felt like he needed to go. I 100% agree with that. That's exactly what it seems like, is that last year he thought, I can use my creativity, and this year it's like, I have to play this role for the defense, which is not is not adding up to the parts we thought we had. That's 100% exact, I think. Yeah, um, and, and one of the problems is is, is the casual fan – Last year could have figured out that Jamal Adams isn't this great cover guy. So to put him in to switch him to more of a cover role this year is not the thing to do. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, heck, at this point, it sounds like maybe a little bit of madness. But, you know, if it were anybody but a 17 million dollar player, if I'm the D.C. at this point and seeing my defense struggle, I might think, you know what I could do? I could switch Marquise Blair from being the nickelback and make him the strong safety and move Jamal up to nickelback because yeah. then he's closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, exactly. And give him the freedom that he he likes and he does well. He does well with that. I mean, I don't – I mean, it's, he just – he seems to be one of the guys that's just a free spirit. Like, I mean, Earl was kind of the same way, but Earl was a lot better in coverage. But, and Earl could see things that I don't – people other people could not see it was crazy but yeah he's still well, available. So, what's that he's still available earl thomas <laughs> i think i think so i think he's hanging out with john gruden but um <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably true Oh, man. I mean, I, the funny thing about gruden is like you the first thing that came out was like 10 years ago and it's like okay i mean 
he shouldn't have said what he said, but it's 10 years. But then all this other stuff, it's like, oh, man, this guy should have never been hired in the first place. And the Raiders, as much as, you know, Seahawks fans don't like the Raiders, the Raiders organization as a whole has actually been pretty diverse. So, you know, I mean, they've they've hired women, they've hired minorities. I mean, they've done what they thought would make the franchise successful. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but it's not like they've been afraid of, we need to go with this white guy. Uh, like They haven't done that. And that's what they've said about Al Davis is that he was that guy who he didn't care. If you were good at the job, he was going to hire you. He didn't, he didn't, and he got, you know, a lot of diversity with that. And <laughs> I mean, I, like, I think I texted you. I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I like Gruden. I, did, I like his animated personality, you know, and, and, I don't, I don't know that he's that great of a coach. My wife likes him too. And I was like, I'm trying so hard to like him still, but dude hit the trifecta. I mean, he, <laughs> all avenues, you do not get all. It's like, I'm out, bro. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Anyway, so we didn't really talk about the Steelers a lot because they, their offense sucks, just like the, Seahawks defense does and they're off their defense is really good good enough to beat this Seattle team if Geno Smith doesn't come in and and play as well as he did in the fourth quarter it's going to be a struggle hopefully it's a low scoring game as bad as that sounds I think that's the only way Seattle wins but do you have any prediction for the final score this Sunday night football I think it's going to be a low scoring game it'll probably be you know like 21 17 I think the Seahawks can pull it out I think Geno have a good game I think uh, by the end of next week, John Kitna will be um, on the team <laughs> again and um, I'll get the old number seven. And he'll be wearing his throwback jersey, the old uh, <laughs> faded blue with the old Seahawk on it. But, That's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I got 21-17. I do think Dave Craig comes in in the fourth quarter and wins the game for Seattle. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, hey, Just- Chuck could show up. Oh, I guess he could. <laughs> it's like with Dave Craig it's like, it's like I got Dave Craig He's pretty good in the fourth quarter Let's run the ball a lot more Um, yeah. so, <laughs> But Kenny Easley is available right? That might be good Um, Well we know But anyway that's that's our show We I think we, we both have Seattle winning 21-17 Even though it feels weird to pick them but Yeah just, but They're playing the Steelers so. <laughs> Yeah they're both flawed teams, both two and three, which seems weird. But anyway, that's our show. And as always, Kevin has the final two words. Go Hawks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.